Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. Welcome back once again, Bread and Circuses Podcast. I am Rooster here with Crow. Hello. How are you doing, Crow? Good. Are you over your bout of COVID so we can do this in person now? Yes. And I got all my raging done earlier today. You did? Yeah, like I always do, so I'm going to be super mellow. What were you raging about earlier today? Well, some of the stuff we're going to talk about. Oh, the white supremacist uh, terrorist and yeah, uh, who shot up the... Uh, a Trump supporter that uh, um, used ghost guns to shoot up the subway. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Murder a bunch of black people, I guess. Yeah, that was his intention. Yeah. I mean, I think it was more than one guy because I, I, I heard that it was a lynching. With, yeah, it had to be. With ghost guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are, of course, talking about the subway shooting in Brooklyn uh, where a black man, 62-year-old, I can't remember his name right offhand, um, he uh, who had many posts on Facebook and social media talking about uh, white people and how we he should kill them all and uh, he couldn't wait for him to be dead and um, all the problems in the world are white supremacists and everything went on to a subway put on a gas mask set off some sort of smoke charge to confuse people and then proceeded to shoot 13 people and 16 more were injured due to smoke inhalation and um, sort of trampling and stuff like that turns out though thankfully uh, nobody died. There are like five people in critical condition, but they look like they'll survive. So, uh, yeah, of course, uh, all this Trump's fault and uh, white supremacist fault, you know. Yep. And then the media is going out of their way to um, protect the race, to deny the race of the uh, shooter. Did you hear this? Um, was it which which media outlet was it that ran? Um, the story quoting one of the witnesses saying it was a five foot five hundred seventy five pound black man, and then hours later they took it and changed it just to edit out one little thing, one little part that he was uh, five foot five. Yep. Did they put five foot something? Well, I mean, all because they are uh, trying. They're afraid people would shame him for his size because you know most people, oh, most yeah. women want men to be over six feet tall. I hear size matters. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, even uh, oh, Michael Malice. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. I can't remember which YouTuber I was watching, but he posted that even Michael Malice was quick. Someone pointed out, "Yo, oh, guess what they're hiding from the from the public, the race of the shooter. And Michael Malice came on right away and he goes, uh, it only took a few minutes of Google searching to show that they, they said his race right away. And the guy goes, uh, look again. And Michael Malice went and saw the the article that took down the race. And he's like, holy shit, you're right. <laughs> Yeah. So at least he admitted, you know, he was, he was, it was kind of a snarky, smart-ass comment by Malice. And he came back going, oh, shit. I'm trying to picture Michael Malice being snarky and smart-ass. Well, he's a pretty smart guy. Oh, he is very smart. And he, he, he does have kind of a smart-ass sense of humor. Yeah. But um, I'm, I'm, it's nice that he kind of admitted right off the bat, like, okay. <laughs> well, it's just scary that they're just editing that stuff out. It's, not, it's scary, but it's like it's par for the fucking course. And this guy... I guarantee you wouldn't have been as um, militar, militant, or you know, radicalized if it weren't for just um, onslaught of the Democrat talking points, the the um, Hollywood and uh, big tech like uh, you know Amazon movies, uh, Amazon Prime, uh, Netflix, all the ones that make the movies and stuff, putting out nonstop um, either. Um, historical shows to show how bad white people are or or taking um fictional stories that have nothing to do with race but injecting race into them and making the white people the bad guy and i could go over a list of these i wish i would have had it written down but i mean uh, even fantasy or, or horror stuff that you know the the horror movies that are popular rise by the by jordan peele mm-hmm. it's all talking about how bad white people are um the the eight, a Lovecraft Country. That was a series that mm-hmm. was on. I don't know if it was on Prime or on Netflix, but it's based on a book. But you know, H.P. Lovecraft wrote Cosmic Horror, 
and he was well known as being a xenophobe, you know, so he didn't like black people, <laughs> he didn't like immigrants, he didn't like, because a lot of his horror was based on his xenophobia, which people kind of understand just how he was. Um, so they wrote this Lovecraft country, and it's basically about, you know, it's set in the 40s, and it's the highlighting how racist white people were, and the black people are protagonists, the white people are the bad guys. Um, there's other series out there. Oh, I can't think that there's a, a bunch of them out there that basically have the same thing going on with its fictional accounts and it's well-produced, well, well done stuff, but it's always pointing out how bad it's either set in a time period where white people were bad in, in not everywhere, but in certain areas to black people and just really dwelling on it. Or it's just making it up whole cloth, you know, like, uh, like, um, or like the anti-man stuff or the anti-right handmaid's tale stuff. Which is, it's not anti-white, but... Well, yeah, it's it anti-right. But the the preponderance of this stuff, if you just look, everywhere you look, it's, you know, white people bad. Remember remember when they were lynching people, uh, even though more white people were lynched than black people, more people that were lynched were cattle rustlers, basically. Um, there's some pedophiles in the, in the mix. The largest single group at one time lynched were Italians, Italian-Americans. Um but they try to equate it with no white people lynching black people. And then no, no wonder people like this get just inundated and day in and day out. And then they start getting on the web and they start talking to, or, or searching out these, you know, militant black militant sites. And it's exactly what's happening to this. A guy like this is what they say is happening to, to white MAGA people that were, we're getting radicalized, but we're not. It's because they have to constantly come up with these fucking fake stories, these fake rate, um, hate crimes that, that always pan out to be, you know, the so-called victim is the one that perpetrated it. Um, but when this happens, then they try to hide the fact that it was black. Guy. You know, I don't think all black people are, are going to, you know, shoot white people because they hate them. But I think there's a, a disproportionate amount of black people that are committing crimes at this point. They're not saying that. So, you know, you got to you got to you got to see what's happening in order to try to fix it. And you got to speak it and you can do it without being hateful. But as soon as you start pointing any of this stuff out, then they, they come, come at you with the istophobe kind of shit. Well, just being white is hateful. Yeah. So if I say... That, the fact that you exist as a white person is triggering to some black people. You know, there was the guy that ran over the group of white people with his truck. Didn't he, happen. He was radicalized. He hated white people. That was a truck that did it. Yeah. Um, so that that's going on. And when, you know, stop Asian hate, guess why we stopped seeing stop Asian hate? Uh, because white people were tricking black people into attacking Asian people. Yes. Yep. See, I read the news. And the same with the same with the uh, Jewish attacks. They're saying, "Oh, the ADL," um, and them are saying, "There's a lot of, you know, anti-Semitism, and there's a lot of attacks on Jewish people going on." Yeah, because well, it's- see, but Whoopi Goldberg told me that Jews are not a race. And therefore, it was just uh, man's inhumanity to man. So it was a bunch of white people killing other white people. Mm. That's what that was. So I just had a little screed there, I guess, without you going into facts. You didn't do it with your uh, teeth clenched and your fist pounding on the table like normal? <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'll look up the actual article here so we can have some actual facts to, to instead of me just talking off the top of my head. Well, it is, it is sort of ridiculous. And... And I, you know, you say white people aren't getting radicalized. I, I think to a degree they are. I think there's just a, I mean, I feel it. There's a bigger state of agitation. Just, I mean, don't you feel like that? Just more agitated all the time? Yeah, I don't know if radicalization is, is, is happening. I, I know, it's not radicalization, but it just... Bigotry? Yeah, I think it's feeding into some of that. Yeah, I'm, I mean... Oh, allow ads. I'm looking up Fox News, and now I have to allow ads on here. So. Terrible bastards trying to make money. Um, no, I just I, I get tired of this having to spin this some direction. There, this guy is going to get memory hold. People are going to forget his name. Not going to remember who he is. You know, uh, we remember who Bernard Getz is from the eighties. Yeah. White guy who shot five or six uh, black teens who were robbing him, um, and they say he knew it was going to happen, and he had he had provoked it. That's what they were. Well, maybe say. he didn't know it was going to happen, and maybe that's why he had a gun to protect himself. Yeah. You know, they said now this is premeditated and everything, but 
I don't know, six people surround you asking for money. Also, this guy, you got another guy that did uh, a shooting that was on an FBI watch list. Who? This guy. He was? Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's see here. Well, this this article I'm going to talk about. It. The FBI is investigating social media posts and video investigators believe are linked to Frank James, the suspect being sought Tuesday shooting. Senior law enforcement told Fox News Wednesday that some of his posts were critical of New York City Mayor Eric Adams. A string of rambling, profanity-laced YouTube videos, uh, uh, which the man apparently decries the United States as racist. Racist says this nation was born in violence. It's kept alive by violence or the threat thereof. It's going to die a violent death. There's nothing going to stop it. Um, okay. Despite some reporting from other sources, the law enforcement source said the FBI did not open a prior file in James out of New Mexico. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's what I was hearing though, that he had, a, he had, they had some surveillance on him prior to this. I heard that he was, he was being watched, that he was a known name. Yeah. Here, he remains in the loose. They're still trying to trace him down based on prior contacts in Philadelphia and Wisconsin. No, they caught him today. Okay, good. He's been caught. He's at the um, the precinct. That okay. they, got, they caught him in um, oh, God, where, one of those uh, New York City boroughs. Shooting. Okay. The shooting in the crowded 36th Street subway station in the Sunset Park neighborhood happened around 8.25 a.m. as the Manhattan-bound N train pulled up to the station. A man in a bright nylon safety vest and gas mask opened a smoke canister and fired off at least 33 rounds from a 9-millimeter Glock. 9-millimeter Glock. The attack left 10 people shot. It's, a, it's amazing no one's dead. Uh, I guess his gun, gun jammed, jam. too. But he had several uh, extended clips for his gun, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the governor of New York, I can't remember her name right now. She's like, oh, this this has to never happen. This is never going to happen again. And of course, what they're going to do is say, well, we have to have tighter gun control. There are not maybe Washington, D.C., maybe Chicago have stricter gun laws than New York, but they're one of the most strict gun laws in the entire world. And one of the reasons they can get away, someone like this can get away with mass shootings is exactly why, because the law abiding citizens aren't able to carry guns. Right. Without, And so you see a situation. What, what church was it where some guy got up to start shooting the church up and two parishioners stood up and shot him dead? It just mm. happened like within two years. Yeah, I think it was Texas, but so, I can't remember. I mean, there you have it. That guy had mass shooting on his mind. Uh, a room full of uh, people that weren't weren't armed. He it would have been easy pickings. And the two parishioners that opened fire, they were older people too, like a white haired guys got up and shot him dead. Well, good for them. Good for them. And there was uh, there was a guy a couple years ago who shot up a church and then he was fleeing, and the neighbor. Saw it happening, and he had a neighbor to the church. Saw it happening, and had an AR-15. He shot the guy, killed him, hmm. before the guy could take off in his truck. So, I mean, I don't know if this guy had a permit to carry or anything, this uh, Brooklyn shooter, subway shooter. But, I mean, even if he – generally, it seems to me, uh, if you go by the statistics, that it's not legal gun owners who do this kind of stuff. Um now, sometimes it's people who get access through legal gun owners because they, like the Sandy Hook shooter, that was, uh, it was his mom's gun and he shot her and broke into the safe and got it. But, yeah. But you're right. It This happens less frequently in places where other people are allowed to carry. Because I mean, this guy knew if he gets on the subway and starts shooting people, the likelihood that somebody else is going to have a gun shoot him. It's not going to happen because he even says in one of his videos that I'm paraphrasing here, but these mass shootings should happen, but he's not going to do it because he doesn't want to go to jail. Well, I guess where are you going now, bud? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I hate this idea, this poison that the media and the left just pour into people's ears about, you know, your life is shitty because somebody else made it shitty. Yeah. And it's all at this point, it's all pointed towards, uh, you know, shitty white people and, and, and founding fathers are racist and the system set up to oppress and the black man or whatever, even though you try to, you, you talk about, um, excuse me, gazoon type, um, you know, the system's supposed to be set up for the white man, although, um, Asians do better. Gazoon type. Uh, Thank you. One. 
Uh, Asians do better financially. They make more money per cap per capita. They get um, better grades. They have, you know, a, if you look at all the metrics that black um, black people say white people have benefits over everybody else, it turns out that you know there's a, Asians actually are doing better than whites. But I guess Asians now are considered white, right? Yeah. Well, and then, and then immigrant African immigrants from certain countries do better too. Like not as you know, not better than Asians, but they they do better than the native-born blacks. Well, Thomas Sowell writes about this um, in uh, it's the I can't remember the name of the book. It's some Southern rednecks. All this um, our Scottish rednecks. I can't remember. Anyway, it's one of his uh, one of his books where he talks about if you compare uh, black people from the from the east or the West Indies. And black people from the South, you know, both slaves, you know, but the one thing that the Southern, he says, the West Indian ones do very well. They're successful. And, um, you know, for a while, post-slavery, um, black people, black families had uh, less instance of divorce than white families. They had higher levels, higher percentages of education in their families. Mm-hmm. They really... They really valued their families and their education. And he says where they didn't do well is – and he, he's, his point is it's not about slavery. It's about the environment around you and the people you're around. And he says that uh, the one thing these – and I'm probably butchering this whole thing. But he's the one thing about the southern rednecks it, or the – the southern slaves, they were around these southern rednecks, which were a lot of people from very poor parts of Europe and um, or very poor parts of England. And he he goes through the language and you notice that the language is very similar. You know, so a lot of stuff we say now that is Ebonics, if you even listen to modern day advertising from those parts of England, you get the same sort of. Not different inflections and different accents, but the same sort of language. And uh, so it was It was really interesting that he's saying, look, it's not all black people that have suffered from this. And he's talking about reparations because of this. But he, he said if this if this society is, is so based in white power, why, to your point, do Asians do better than white people? Why does that happen? It's culture. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's what you surround yourself with. Sometimes you can't help that, and sometimes you can. And, but, by, and largely, Asian families are intact. Right. And I'm looking at this guy, you know, the shooter from uh, the subway here that we're talking about. 62-year-old guy. He's probably pissed off about where he, his life is. Let's face it, he's probably got some degree of mental illness, you know. But someone who's easily influenced by all this trash. But he's probably looking at it. At 62 and going, I should be somewhere else. Based on what? What have you done in your life? At some point in your life, and I think it's around 45, you have to look around and start saying, where I am in life, it's because of things I did or did not do. You know, Or you turn around and you blame somebody else for it. Right. But you can change those circumstances. But the problem is so much of what the left does now, because they want government to take care of people, is to say where you are, you shouldn't be happy. And if you aren't happy it's somebody else's fault and if you are happy it's just because you don't get it you don't get how much you're being exploited yeah and language like that and it's just it's trash and it's poison and we've got to stop doing it you know but they won't they won't quit because the right says depend on yourself the left says depend on government yeah and it's human nature for the downtrodden to not want to say well it was me who did it to myself But this whole thing where the Democrats basically have a lock on the black vote, um, it doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, and then the fact that if people like Charlemagne is a good example um, that has his his podcast show. He's always griping about, you know, the white man and power structures and systematic racism and all that stuff or systemic racism, all that. And then he has Joe Biden, Biden on and he licks his ass. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? Why are you not? Why are you? Are, are you're, you're part of the propaganda that you're, that you're bitching about is from the Democrats. It's from the old 
rich old white people like Biden, who probably is, I mean, from what he said, it sounds to me like he, yeah, probably is a racist guy. Oh, I, I think Joe Biden, is, there are many examples of him being racist. Right. For many, and, many examples. And so to have this guy interview him after, you know, stating that the, the problem is, 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 you know, the old white men in America, and then you've got an old white man running for president, and then you you basically give him deferential treatment, even when he says he's, and that's the show we're talking about where Biden said, if, if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. Right. Don't vote for me. And the guy just sat there and took it. No, he said, he says, I'm not. He, he did fight back a little bit on that. I, I will give Charlemagne some credit in the sense that he's starting to push back and ask some people some more difficult questions. Nowhere near to the degree that he should. Did you watch when he had uh, Buttigieg on, on his show? Buttigieg? No, I heard about it recently. He did the same thing. He was he did push back a little bit, but it was so milquetoast. And he just, uh, well, he put out a bunch of false premises uh, about him and his co-host about how, you know, they're the Republicans are, are suppressing black votes and all the same bullshit and keeping the black man down. Wait, that's false? And then he told Buttigieg, he goes, uh, oh, well, you know, black people are starting to say, you know, Democrats, they ain't doing it. They, they keep telling us lies and, that, and and making promises that they don't follow through. And Buttigieg is like, really? As if he hadn't heard that before. Yeah, I know. And, uh, but Buttigieg is just like any other Democrat. like, yeah, we know. But you guys are so stupid. You keep fucking voting for us. Yeah. But he, he basically said, no, you know what the deal is, Booty Jizz. He's, he goes, uh, uh, well, that's because we're in process. It's a process. We're in process. You know? What does that even mean? Yeah. So he's basically saying that we're working on it, but we've got so much pushback from these Republicans, we can't get stuff done. Oh, no, that makes sense. Okay. Let's give you another four, eight years. Let's give you another 12, 16 years and see what, how it goes. Uh, I have a friend that... Talk to a, you don't have any friends that talked to it was actually a, a Sparrowhawk. Um, he was talking to, um, you know, and so he is adjacent to uh, George Floyd Square. He's, he's around that area a lot and, uh, you know, panhandling and whatnot. <laughs> but no, he uh, he had one of the businesses he was at. Um, There's a regular customer, a black person um, pissed off about all the crime. And he goes, man, I don't know. I, I voted for uh, Fry again because he said he was going to get tough on crime. Mm-hmm. And, and Sparrow's like, again? <laughs> and when did he say he was going to get tough on crime? And you believed him. Yeah. It's like, it, it's like do you, how, do you, how do you change that? <laughs> well, because they just. It's, it's willful ignorance. They just it's be- willful ignorance. Well, yeah, they just believe they can't vote for a white person or a Republican. Republican, because they've been, the Democrats have been so good at getting the right people to message that, you know, Republicans bad, okay, and and Democrats are out for you. You know, it's just like they were for, for um, even my dad thought Democrats were for the working man, you know, because it was such, it was, you know, he's Republicans for the rich, Democrats for the working man. He's no matter what they do, he's not going to change that perception. He, he's the indoctrination happened. He's stuck in that little bubble. He's not going to change. And that's what's happening. It's like, how do you break through that? Yeah, I I think you just it just has to get bad enough for them. And at this point, I think we keep going that direction. Yeah. I mean, they keep talking about this red wave that's coming. I don't know if it's coming or not. I do think uh, the Republicans will take the House back, but I don't know about the Senate. And I don't know how big a win they're going to have or if they'll get some, you know, uh, uh, rhinos in there, too. I, I don't know. But what the left should worry about is not losing power. They should worry about what happens if Republicans get it and use it and things get better. That's what they have to worry no, about. No, we have to hope that happens as conservatives. Yeah, I know. Because we don't have a good track record with the Republicans. Yeah, but I think it's starting to see more and more people are just kind of fed up, you know, yeah. and trying to fix that. So, um, do you have anything more on this one? Nope. Do you see that Elon Musk is not going to join the Twitter board? Correct. Do you know why? Because if he does join the board, he's limited to the amount of stock he can buy. My point is nobody knows why. Well, he's- isn't that it, though? He hasn't said. But people looking in the contract of, of these things say they're they're limited to like a 13% ownership. No, it's like it's it's basically he can't buy it, but he agreed to not buy any more and stuff. And I don't know. I, I'm trying to decide, is he trying to, is he just stirring the pot to stir the pot? Is he doing this to drive the price of Twitter down so he can buy more of it? 
is he um, thinking he's just going to buy it and break the left's toy? Because um, the guy's got enough money to do something like that. I mean, let's face it. If he if he buys Twitter up, and it, if he spends, I don't know, fifty billion dollars on this thing, and drives it down to ten billion in value, what does he care? You know, he's still going to be one of the richest guys in the world. You know, and still be able to do whatever he wants. I think. He gets off on just sort of messing with the system, and I think that's kind of cool that he's doing that. So I he see what he said about Twitter's headquarters. No, he said uh, he put a poll out. He puts polls out all the time, and some of them are ridiculous questions. Like he put one out that said, "Should we take the W out of Twitter?" <laughs> and uh, but then he said, "Should we turn?" Twitter headquarters into a homeless shelter because they need the they need the rooms in San Francisco and he goes and nobody goes into work anyway <laughs> you know because Dorsey yeah. said people can work indefinitely from home before he wasn't CEO yeah so I don't know it I it's fun to watch I don't know what his what his plan is but um, it would not be surprising to see him I don't know if he's gonna buy the whole thing. But it wouldn't be surprising to see him pick up another 10% or something like that and be the 20% owner then. Yeah, I mean, it, it is plausible that he's just stirring the pot. And But, yeah, I mean, I thought it made perfect sense that if he if, if he does want to be more influential, um, I don't know, maybe the fact that, you know, there's so many stipulations on being a board member, he doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah, and, I mean, being a board member on a lot of these companies is just – Right, you were saying it doesn't mean much except that they get to pick the CEO. Yeah, I mean, they get to sort of influence some decisions and everything, but it gets very political. I mean, because you have to, I mean, like I have dividend investments and I have very small pieces of companies and I get stuff about, well, go to the shareholders meeting, cast your vote and all this. And and he just may not have any patience for that stuff. You know, he may not want to be tied down to a board where he has to meet once a month or something like, he just may not want to do it. Um. And I think he likes being his own boss and doing his own thing. So who knows what the guy's motivations are. But I think it's funny that all the Twitter people um, believe that uh, him owning a – well, not even a majority stake. He owns 10% of it, but he's just the highest percentage owner. Just thinking that somehow he's going to ruin the company doing that. While Twitter's been trying very hard to ruin itself. So, and then uh, Raven, do you know who Robert Reich is? Or Reich? He was uh, familiar. He was a guy under Clinton, one of his uh, cabinet secretaries or um, secretary of labor or something like that. I'm looking this up. He had just one of the stupidest quotes recently. Um, Oh, God, I got to find this. Anyway, he he basically said that... uh, um, freedom of speech is a bad thing and we shouldn't have it and uh, here we go uh, so Raven sent this to me it's from Instapundit and it says Robert Reich uh, says Elon Musk's vision for the internet is dangerous nonsense quote Musk has long advocated a libertarian vision of an uncontrolled internet that's also the dream of every dictator strongman and demagogue what? I'm sorry. What? That. So. Uh, uncontrolled. No, a, a dictator, demagogue, and whatever wants to control everything. They don't want uncontrolled, unfettered access. So, uh, Ace of Spades, blogger, wrote this. He goes, uh, We are literally now at the point of slavery is freedom. Yeah. The, I mean, it's, it it's really so is. stupid. Well, I mean, that's what the left does, though. They try to change the, the definition of words, of sentences, of concepts. Everything has to be changed so, so that right is wrong, up is down. Yeah. So Raven sent Men this. Men or women. Yeah. Raven sent this to me in the email, which was hilarious. He goes, Robert Reich has just written perhaps the most ridiculous two-sentence opening to an article that I've ever seen. The planet is stupider for it having been published. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> it, was, it was very funny. Yeah. yeah. Now I know why I felt dumber. It's yeah. just because the guy said a stupid thing. This is the same guy who um, I think it was him that uh, uh, George Will 
said, you're a, a pyromaniac in a field of straw men. <laughs> it's just a great line. So it's it's interesting to me to see what Musk is going to do. I just, that guy is so much smarter than everybody else. And, I mean, he, he certainly has a reputation for being a shit stirrer. But he also, I mean, Tesla is a very influential company. And it doesn't do just cars. It does a ton of stuff. I mean, he's putting uh, reusable rockets into space. He's he's doing NASA's job better than NASA was doing NASA's job. And he's just a smart guy, and I think he's uh, he's good for the planet. And he's African-American. South African-American. Doesn't matter. <laughs> South yeah. Africa is part of Africa, isn't it? Sure. So technically, he's an African-American. So whenever black people hate on him, you can say, or even people on the on the left, you can say, "Why are you Why are you so racist? Why are you hating on an African American?" So, a um, couple other things I had. Did you see uh, DeSantis come out on his anti lockdown speech because now Philadelphia has gone back to a mask. Yeah, this, and the CDC is is talking about it, aren't they? Like reinstituting. Mask uh, mandates and all that. They want people to do that. Well, they can recommend it, but they can't make states do no, it. No, but that that's like their new recommendation. So, of course, all the all the uh, all the indoctrinated uh, hyperventilators are going to be excited about that. Well, they the CDC um, reinstitutes mask mandate. Ron DeSantis uh, responds accordingly. This is from uh, it's they Red, added Red State. They added two weeks to the okay. transportation one. Yeah, are you ready for a third summer of wearing masks on airplanes and while using other forms of domestic and international travel? Because that looks like where things are headed. Uh, although, you know, the Biden administration, you know, still wants to make sure that the airplanes have mask mandates. Um, but when they swore in uh, Katanji or Katana, sorry, Jackson Brown um, to uh, in the ceremony, um, Ducey Ducey uh, asked Saki, he's like, uh, you know, so they want to keep these mask mandates in, in closed spaces. Yeah. Peter. But uh, Kamala Peter. Harris was, wasn't wearing a mask when she hugged uh, uh, Jackson Brown. And, and, uh, the singer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Saki goes, Peter, Peter, whatever <laughs> she goes, um, she was outside and they complied with all the indoor and endorsing, which is a lie because there's a picture of Kamala in there without a mask. It's on. commonly racist. Yeah. So she goes, and she was, um, she had an exuberance for the moment. And it's like, okay, that's, that's a carve out. That's, that's an excuse. So we can all use that for exuberant. We can have her mask off. That doesn't work for, for uh, the peons. Well, isn't, uh, isn't calling someone exuberant racist now? <laughs> Probably. What's the, uh, well, euphoric. You can't call him euphoric because well, what's the, what did they, what was the technical term for what uh, George Floyd was going through? Oh, yeah. The drug induced, uh, yeah, it's like heightened euphoria yes, or something like that. Something, yeah, I can't remember. But, you but know, that's a that's a that's a term to um, demean black people. That was created by the Jen Saki. I read between the lines that uh, that white supremacist, uh, redheaded ginger with no soul, was basically saying black people aren't very smart. You know, Ron DeSantis tweeted: Biden's extension of the transportation mask mandate simply prolongs the misery that passengers and flight attendants are being forced to endure. This is not evidence-based, but simply more COVID theater. This is the Biden equivalent of continuing the beating until morale improves. I'm glad Florida and other states are fighting this mandate in court. Well, he said, as long as I'm in this seat, he said, no uh, Florida resident will have their freedoms taken. They won't be locked down. Nothing. So yeah. even if cities and state or cities and counties want to put it in place, he's going to make sure they can't. Good. So, I mean, individual businesses can still do that. Fine. You know, I don't agree with it, but it's their right. But uh, it, we're going to try and do this again. This country is over COVID, you know. And they said, uh, I was listening to Justice and Drew, the local radio show here, morning radio show, and they said, uh, they said, well, you know, there's some article out that says, you know, the, third, the next wave of COVID may have hit and nobody noticed. Basically, they're like, people could be getting sick and they're, they're not testing themselves. <laughs> so they don't even know if they have it. Did you hear Fauci? Uh, Andrea Mitchell was interviewing him and she told him about the 15-day extension. He goes, why only 15 days? No, I didn't hear that. I would agree, but we really need more. 
Oh, God, they won't they won't stop until everybody complies. And honestly, at, at this point, my problem is not with the people who want to wear masks all the time. I look at that as silly and childish. But if you want to be scared, be scared. Um, if you're going to wear a cloth mask, please understand all of the evidence shows it doesn't do any good. It does zero for you. Um, so, Other than like a bacteria haven. Yeah. Unless you're wearing an N95 mask. They and tell and you, a new one every few hours. Every few hours? I didn't hear that part. Well, I mean, they get dirty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, it all that stuff is just virtue signaling at this point. If that's what you want to do, fine. Go ahead. The problem I have is if you went out to the grocery store before they dropped the mask mandate, what percentage of people do you think you saw with them on? 80 or more? 80%? In Minnesota here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm talking about when they started to loosen it. You still saw 20% of people not until you finally saw the signs that said mask recommended. Then it dropped down to what? Maybe 20% wearing them? Maybe yeah. 25? Certainly not 30 or 50. My problem is not with the 20% of people who will wear them no matter what. Let's just say it was 80% uh, were wearing them. So take the top 20 up, and the bottom 20 is going to wear them. It's that 60% in the middle who just went along. Yeah. Those people have to just start saying no more. We're yeah. not doing it. You know, because what's uh, what's Target going to do if all of a sudden everybody who comes in is not wearing a mask? You're going to shut the store down? You're going to call the cops on 300 people who came through your doors? People have to just stop complying with this. And, you know, they'll say, well, you're breaking the law. No, you're not breaking the law. These aren't laws. Right. These are executive actions. And they are ones that I think the Supreme Court is going to find very soon that you just you can't do. That this continued state of emergency doesn't work. There has to be a limit on it. Yep. You know. So, uh, speaking of the Supreme Court, uh, I was listening to some Tim Pool stuff. He believes that they're fairly close to overturning Roe v. Wade. And now Oklahoma has upped the ante and said abortions are illegal, mm-hmm. flat out, yep. just signed it. And the governor said, I ran on the promise that I would sign any uh, pro-life legislation that got to my desk. And he goes, so I'm keeping my promise. Good. I, I still thought that was kind of a cop-out for him. Him saying, it gave him yeah. room to say, well, I'm signing it because I said I'd sign stuff like this. You know, but if he's saying that's what the people want, I I get that. But I wish he'd have just said "damn right" and signed it. Yeah, but I do. I do actually. Instead of looking at it as a cop out, I do like I like that. Instead of even if he does feel like you know what, damn right, I would prefer him to say it that way because it is that's what you got elected for to represent the people. That's what the people want. Yeah. So even if you personally, you know, don't believe in it. That's what the people believe in. That's what they want. That's what we're doing. I know. I just well, but we know he believes on. Yeah. That's what he ran on. I know. I don't know. So I'm just, just not, not so much a cop out. Eh, it was. I'm not saying it totally was, but it, there was some cop out in there. Yeah. He softened it a little. He should have just signed it and moved on. But uh, so I think it was was it Alabama who had their no Mississippi. I could be wrong. It's one of those southern states that had the uh, uh, nothing before twenty. Yeah, maybe it was Mississippi. Had nothing before twenty weeks, something like that. Anyway, it's uh, it's we're coming. This stuff is coming to a head here soon, and it's going to be very interesting when it gets to the Supreme Court. A lot of the stuff, like the mask mandates getting there, because I really think the court's going to look at it and say, geez, you know, you can't keep doing this stuff. And they they sort of signal their intentions on a lot of things, and a lot of the signals they've been throwing out is that Roe v. Wade can't hold up because it's really kind of bad law, you know. Now, I'm very anti-abortion. I just think it's evil. Um, But... I do also think the states have a right to decide what they want to do. And I think we got to, if Roe v. Wade goes away, it doesn't mean there won't be abortions anywhere. It'll mean states like California and Washington and all that will say, you can still come here and get an abortion. You know? And they'll say, well, poor people can't trip. Yeah, did you hear now in a response to the states uh, banning um, the uh, gender stuff? Gender talk to, you know, pre K through whatever, fifth grade, whatever it was. Um, they're banning that now. There's left liberal states that are mandating it. New Jersey and Maryland. Disgusting. Yeah, and they're fairly graphic in oh, what yeah. they 
what they expect. And you know what? Uh, I I think do it. Go ahead, left-leaning states, do it. And see what percentage of parents start pulling well, out of that school. And, and the ones that are stuck or left in there, they're, they're going to be damaged by it. It's damaging Absolutely. material. Absolutely. Um, it does not make for well-adjusted adults when they deal with this kind of shit as children get this kind of weird, crazy, grooming behavior. But here's why, honestly, here's why I want them to do it. Is who's going to be who's going to be the first ones to pull their kids out of school? More well-to-do families in the suburbs, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll start pulling them out. Um, those schools will probably be okay because there's still going to be a lot of virtue signaling. White people are like, wow, I'll talk to my kid about it," or they just won't pay attention to what their kids are learning. But the ones that are going to pull out of some of the inner city schools are going to leave those schools with not enough funding to run them at the current rates they're at right now. And I certainly am not a person who thinks that schools are underfunded, especially here in Minnesota. But who's going to be left? It's going to be generally inner city black people who generally don't like this kind of stuff being taught to their kids, who now are going to say, cut it out. And the teachers union is going to say, no, we don't want to because, you know, we're LGBTQI plus plus whatever friendly and these parents are going to be like, I got to get my kid out of the school, but I can't afford to move them. So I think this is going to lead to a lot of inner city black people pushing for school choice. And I think they're going to get it. And I'd love to see that because school choice will be the end of public schools as we know it. The teachers union knows it. And that's why they fight it so hard. Yeah. And I can't wait to see it happen. Minnesota here, the teachers union just uh, just one big Minneapolis. Minneapolis Teachers Union struck, uh, were on strike. They won big. They got uh, big, big raises and guaranteed raises. And but um, there's a 42 minute extension to the school day now. And then there's and that's without asking the parents or students if they wanted that. And but it's that, for their own good. And then there's like how many days they're adding to the end of the school year? Two weeks. Two weeks to the end of the school year. They're, so they're, they're in until almost the end of June. Yeah. So how is this? How is this good for students? Well, here's what I love. The same students who were standing there saying, yeah, we stand with the teachers, are now going to school board meetings going, hey, we aren't okay with this. It's because you were stupid, uninformed, fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. You didn't think of you the ramifications. You didn't bother to think of them. You just went, my teacher is vote blue no matter who, and so am I because I like stuff like that. But and that's the same reason Rock the Vote works so, so well. Right. They take these dumb, uninformed uh, people and they use an emotional uh, appeal and it works but now you've got little kids little kids who are in you know first second third grade who are in school from seven in the morning till six at night that's nuts they can't handle that yeah that's not good for them yeah, and they're or- it's already bad enough that they're prescribing ritalin still to to boys to keep them under control because they can't sit still for long periods of time can you imagine how bad it's going to get do you know why they can't sit still for a long period of time because it's because it's that's because they're little boys. Yeah, that's human nature for little boys. Yeah, we don't little boys don't learn like little girls learn. As a matter of fact, I really kind of do believe that uh, it's better for uh, the genders to have separate um, schools, separate teaching styles. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you want, you can pick those schools. I'm not range. saying it has to be, but I think it'd probably be better for a lot of a lot of kids. I I do think so. Yeah. So, but I, I would like to see my kid with mixed gender schools. Just yeah. I, I mean, it's otherwise you think they might get a little weird. <laughs> yeah. Not know how to deal with, with the girls. Well, I think, you know, when we talk about culture and stuff, I think girls generally uh, have more empathy than boys do. And I don't think it's hard or it's bad for little boys to learn a little empathy from little girls. But also the negatives, whereas, you know, the boys, when they get aggressive, it's just a physical blow up whereas girls are more uh you know insidious you know it's funny my wife is always she's always getting on emotional her, violence yeah she's getting on her two boys about like uh you know my oldest will come up and sort of do the fake punch in her arm you know like boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. like she's like what's all this violence towards your mother oh, why do you no. and i'm like no 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 no, no, no you gotta no, understand no. this is how boys show affection yes she's like no that's i'm like having been one you know i can tell you yes that's how boys are yeah you know She's like, no, it's just, I'm like, he does it to me too. I'm like, what's all this violence toward your father? If I thought he was being violent toward me, I'd knock him out. If she came out and gave her a big bear hug, she'd be like, what is this? What's going on? I don't yeah. get it. This doesn't make sense. Do you need money? 
So, um, you know, talking about Tim Pool, I I've said that I find listening to his stuff a little frustrating because it's obvious that he's stretching. Oh, the he's content. stretching his videos to get two ad yeah. breaks in there. And if everything. you watch the live feeds, it's better. Yeah, they're still they still get long. That being said, couldn't sleep the other night and I watched the one. There's a new one with Matt Walsh, Elijah Schaefer. Seamus uh, from, Freedom, from Tunes. Freedom Tunes, which I have not checked out. And then a woman from uh, Post Millennial. She's the editor. Um, uh, uh, I can't remember her name. I can't remember. She she made some great points, too. But there there were too many people in that one. Yeah. I listened to the whole episode. But, yeah, and so did I. And it really opened up some. I know we're, we got about 10, 15 minutes here. But I want to talk about this a little because... Well, first of all, Matt Walsh is fantastic. He's just a well-thought-out guy. I mean, he's thrown the left a big curve with this, tell me what a woman is. What's a woman? And they just won't answer the question because um, they can't without getting in trouble with somebody. And the most important thing for them is to stay out of trouble. But they started talking about abortion, and, you know, um, uh, Tim brought up one good question. It has always been as much as I can't stand abortion. It's always been a hole in there that I honestly don't know what to do with in the case of rape or incest, you know, and Tim's point was, how do you tell a woman who's gone through this traumatic experience and now has this person who's growing in her body that she has to nurture this kid, you know, when this could be a reminder of a traumatic experience That's horrible. Her whole time. I don't have an answer for that. I don't because I don't think that a woman should be put through that. And I also don't think that you can just terminate what I see to be a life because of that. Well, I do have an answer for it. Okay. What's your answer? My answer is that, yes, it's a horrible situation. It, it'd be really, I mean, unimaginably difficult for the woman to go through that. Um, but it's not going to end her life. It's temporary. Uh, I know the emotional aspect isn't temporary, but physically it's temporary. She's um, going to have this child for how, how long up to up to nine months and then um that's it whereas if you abort that child that child has is, the life is over it's all done there's no future for that child there's a future for this woman after this pregnancy yeah and again i and i don't like it don't, I, don't tell me i i know you, you, you sit know. there and you take it i'm not saying it like that i'm like i would have so much empathy for that woman in that situation and it, it would be horrible and i want to give her as much resources as possible to keep her from you know slipping into more depression and and you know maybe even becoming suicidal or all that kind of stuff i'd want to put resources into that situation yeah. as many as necessary to help and uh and the fact is it doesn't happen a whole hell of a lot um i mean it happens but it's not percentage-wise not like huge percentage of abortions yeah, I, are not rape i can't even pretend to know but what number that is but we can we can as a society put the effort and the money it takes to get the right social workers and get the right people and the right funding for that woman to help her through that. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Say you had a kid and someone killed that kid. And for nine months, for an hour a day, you had to relive that whole experience. Like you had to be made physically aware of it. You know, someone would rehash the details of it. And after nine months, they just went, okay, we're done. That you were forced to live that trauma for nine months. Yeah, it would suck. I think it would make you insane. I think if you had the right support system, it, it, you'd be able to get through it. Uh, I don't know. If somebody killed one of my kids, I think I would become a murderous nut job. I, I mean, there's there's no amount yeah. of of uh, anything a God's green earth that would stop me from doing something awful. But like if someone person. said, do you know how much money we're spending on counseling and, um, you know, financial assistance for women that have been raped and carrying their child, I go, it doesn't matter. It'd be one of those situations where like, well, you can't just throw money at things and make them better. Well, you do it on fucking everything else. You yeah. do it on schooling. You do it on all kinds of bullshit. This is something that actually is important. Well, that's, that's where the, I've said this before, this is where the uh, pro-abortion uh, uh, argument falls apart of me. They just say, well, when Republicans or conservatives look at it and say, you know, they'll put the money into raising these kids that we, you know, get born and fatherless and all this stuff. Then uh, we'll start talking about getting rid of abortion. I go, okay, deal. I'll take that. Yeah. And then they go, well, no, like you just, hey, you just like and Shark Tank. A, you gave me a deal. I said, I'll take your deal. Yeah, there's a huge backlog of people wanting to um, adopt infants. According to Seamus on this podcast, now he didn't cite anything. No. But he said 
twice as many families looking to adopt as there are kids to be adopted. Yeah, I don't know. The I, only, I don't the, even know if I believe that, but but I know there are a well, seems, lot of people waiting to adopt. It seems to, to me there would be a lot more kids who got adopted then. Yeah. You know, I know that there's they can't just go, hey, here's a kid, here's a kid. Yeah. I understand there has to be a process. But it seems to me that it's very hard to adopt a kid. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, but so then they started, they started spinning off on all these other tangents from it that just made me think a lot about a lot of things. Um, they said... You know, what if there was some technology to be able to take that baby out of that woman? Like day, day one, hour one. Yeah, hour one. Right after conception. Put it out there and have uh, it. In a fake womb. And then I think it was Elijah Schaefer said, I'm a little worried about where that leads because, hey, now people aren't having their kids. You know, it's, you don't build that connection. And and this, um, oh, God. The it's woman? Gonna, yeah. I can't remember her name. Yeah, she um, had it. Um Emons, I think, is her last name. Anyway, she Typical said, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I, I don't, I'm not remember Seamus's name either until you told me what it was. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, he, um, she said, you know, they're not building that connection that you would have raising or basically Just growing a child, kid inside yeah. you. You know, you don't have that psychological connection to it. And it really, and she's, She's anti-abortion, from what I can tell, but she's also she still struggles with the the rape and, and yeah and stuff. And then you know they got into the, Elijah Schaefer brought up a great point. He goes, "This is why they're widening." He goes, uh, Matt Walsh said, um, and I know this from knowing someone who's in the field of obstetrics and gynecology. Uh, said the idea. Matt said there is no situation where the, the life of the mother is in danger, or right. or. or, or can, right. can be helped by aborting. Yeah, I mean there are women who can die in childbirth because of like preeclampsia and but things they like do that. know they do know by trying to help the woman they're not actively aborting the child. Right. He said his point was you have to make a decision to he said so you've got a woman who finds out she's diagnosed with late stage cancer and she's pregnant. He goes, in most cases you can deliver that child, put it in the NICU, and at least give the kid a chance to survive he goes that's very different than saying we have to kill the kid mm -hmm. to treat her and he's got a great point on that but that's why elijah schaefer said that's why they're starting to broaden the definition of what rape is rape starts to be like did you regret it you know and that's i'm terrified as a dad who's got boys who are going to go to college well you know and that's another thing I, i'm sure somebody on the panel there talked about this though that the the claim false claims of rape would skyrocket at that point. If all you could do Absolutely was they would. All, the only way to get an abortion would be for rape. Um, that, when you're going to get doctors start diagnosing women with life threatening med uh, medical conditions. Yeah. And they'd say, you know, even de depression is supposed to be part of that, you know, yeah. stuff. Um, no, she, all they'd say is, Oh, she's a risk to herself for depression. So we have to abort this child. They would say that. So having a little, they're already doing that. having car carve outs for abortion like that. Don't work. They won't work. And that was this, uh, post millennial editors point. Yeah. She's like, you know, of all the people, she was the one who kind of just said, no matter what we try and do to make this more palatable, it gets worse, you know, but they even got, they even started talking about, uh, the, um, you know, how we view gender and all this. And of course they got into, cause Matt was there. They got into the, uh, you know, leading LGBT author and, yeah. um, got into this thing about, and I hadn't thought of this either with, uh, which I consider to be child abuse, giving kids hormone blockers. Of course. You know, it's just, or gynomastia for 13 year old girls. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Where they, uh, cut off the breast Double tissue. mastectomies. What's kind of mask? Oh, that's know. that's a disease. Sorry, I yeah. got it wrong. So um, they were saying they they gave a couple examples, and one was a kid who a boy who at some point very early on seven or eight they were like convinced him he's a girl, so they had gender changing surgery, effectively castrated, and turned out that he would have been a gay male, and because of that, he doesn't get to experience any sexual intimacy with anyone. Like life of a normal human being. Yeah. Yeah. They've got to stop fucking with these kids. Yeah. This is this is evil. Yeah. It is wrong. You know, we don't and Matt has brought up the point many times. We don't let them decide to drink. 
We don't let them drive a car, but we'll let them decide what gender they are. Yeah. I don't, I need someone to explain to me. I've heard explanations, but I think they're bullshit um, because they're not from real health professionals about how it is damaging to a person who is born male or born female and to feel like they are out of place in the other person to be damaged through their lifetime doing this more so than I think they already are. Hmm. Because look, if you want to throw statistics at us about, you know, they're 25 times more likely to kill themselves. Well, their, their odds slightly increase post gender surgery because it doesn't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the woman on the panel also was talking about, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, the, the hormone, the hormone blockers, how, you know, when you grow up, everything about how your body works is, is it's if you're developing your brain. Hormones are a big part of your brain development. And so if you're using hormone blockers, it's stunting part of your brain development, too. And so what's happening with these kids, you know, uh, mentally, emotionally, who fucking knows? I mean, it, it can't be good. And Tim also brought up the uh, the whole, well, there's people with body, I bring this up all the time, people with body dysmorphia, a, a type of dysmorphia where they believe parts of their limb or their limbs don't belong to them that, and they want to get rid of them. Yeah, so, you said like if your right hand yeah. is, and you want to cut your right you, hand off. Uh, we don't let people do no, that. No, you, you put them in, in therapy. And someone else brought this up there. I think she did again. Uh, we should have her name. Libby Emmons. Okay, Libby, good. Libby Emmons. Sorry about <laughs> Libby. Yeah. Sorry, Libby. Libby. We apologize because yes. um, we know you're listening. Yeah. She she brought up that in there's European countries that do psychotherapy for people that feel like they're in the wrong body. Um, you know what they call that here? Yeah, they call it- uh, Conversion therapy. Yeah, and they make it illegal. Yeah, make it illegal because it's, it's religious-based. It's conversion therapy. It's, it's pray away the gay. No, there's there there might be a religious aspect to it. Just like for the for the twelve steps program has a religious aspect to it, but it's a it's a cycle it's a th- psychotherapy program. And which step are you on, by the way? <laughs> Wait, I don't even know what they all are. Well, it's because you have they're made all it mixed into them. one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that it was an interesting, interesting couple hours. Yeah, I sure. I generally get frustrated with a lot of Tim stuff because it does kind of ramble. Um, but this one was really good. So it's uh, Matt Walsh, Libby Emmons, Seamus from Freedom Tunes, and uh, um, Elijah Schaefer. And it was it was really pretty good. Now, Matt so, Walsh is fantastic when he's talking about stuff like this. And he's he knows his wheelhouse, and he knows it well. Yeah. He's you know, and they're talking about you should branch out into other things. Not you're a leading LGBT author, and you're also a woman's study uh, yeah. expert. Because you should get into the into the uh, the the what the, the fat. Um, promotion or whatever yeah the, the big uh, you know healthy at any size promotion he goes ah, i might expand into that he should uh, he should wear a fat suit around for a week yeah, he goes well uh steven crowder just kind of got the head, cornered that one when he just recently dressed up as a overweight woman and, and yeah and wrote a wrote, his, wrote a paper that got it get peer-reviewed yeah. and accepted as like <laughs> it was just and he's like see it's all bullshit yeah. so well anyway. i got a real quick well we're coming up on time here it's probably not quick enough I did want to talk about the um, Loudon officials could face criminal charges for rape cover-up. So this is the uh, the alleged role in the cover-up of rape committed by a transgender student at a school restroom. Oh, yeah, that guy? Yeah, uh, two restrooms this happened in. I know. So I just, eh, you know what, this is going to be too long to talk about. Yeah. So, But, yeah, the, there could be some charges. Uh, that would be great because it's disgusting what they did the rape cover and they just did what they complained about the Catholic church doing with the priests shuffling them to different parishes. Yeah. And, uh, so they are parishes. Yeah. Um, so now they're, this has been happening with, um, with these transgender students and even teachers where they're shuffling them off to different districts. Um, well, Hey, real quick, I was listening to Clay and Buck and this one is quick. They were talking about Hunter Biden and they have a bet. Clay says Hunter Biden does not face any charges. He doesn't get indicted. Nothing happens to him. Clay or no, sorry, Buck says that Clay says he's going, uh, he's going to jail, um, or at least getting charges and not civil charges like criminal charges. So they have a steak dinner bet on it. Mm. Which side do you come down on? How about I just take my own side? I think he gets to Epstein. I don't think he does. I think he commits suicide before any charges. Really? Yeah. If they're if they're uh, if they come if they question him as if it's going to be like something that they're going to charge him with, he'll he'll. He'll cack before that happens. I don't think Joe's going to let that happen. 
Oh, I think he would, because then he'd be this grieving parent of two dead boys now oh, that uh, you know yeah, he couldn't yeah, talk, stop talking know. about. I don't know. You know, Bo and okay. Hunter. If you had to pick between those two, charged, not charged. Uh, it's kind of looking like charged. I think charged. All right, you want to take that bet? Sure. Okay. All right, and I'm on. So I'm on. I'm on You're on Clay's side. Clay's side. Okay. He's going to jail. All right. Getting charged. Sounds All right. Good. Cool. Well, uh, we uh, appreciate those of you who are listening. We'd love to have uh, more interaction with us on our Bread and Circuses podcast Facebook page. That's where probably the best place to get a hold of us. Like, share, comment. Leave us ratings on iTunes because that helps boost us in the algorithm. You have a mysterious algorithm. Um, But we appreciate the listening, and that would help us a lot. See you, bye.